I'm Ted O'Connell, one of the authors of Crush Step 1, the ultimate USMLE Step 1 review, along with my co-authors, Ryan Pedigo and Thomas Blair. I am also the chief content officer for Inside the Boards. This is a Crush Step 1 podcast based on the second edition of our best-selling book. The goal is to provide you high-yield and high-quality audio content of the book to help you study on the go and reclaim some of the time in your day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the microbiology chapter of Crush Step 1. This is Mimi narrating Part 3. In this section, we'll finish up with gram-negative non-enteric rods and then move on to gram-positive branching filamentous bacteria and continue the chapter from there. The last gram-negative non-enteric rod that we'll discuss is Pasteurella. Pasteurella multiceta is zoonotic, mostly in cats and birds, but unlike the three bacterial species described earlier, it is not a facultative intracellular parasite. Infection usually follows a cat or dog bite or scratch with rapid onset cellulitis. Don't close the wound. Pasteurella multiceta likes this. Leave it open and treat with penicillin or doxycycline. Although, most bite wounds will be treated with amoxicillin clavulanate because of the presence of mixed flora, including Staph aureus. Bartonella, Coxiella, and Ehrlichia species are non-enteric gram-negative bacteria, but are discussed in the later section, pleomorphic bacteria, because of their similarity to rickettsial infections. Now let's move on to gram-positive, branching filamentous bacteria. Actinomyces and nocardia behave like fungi in the sense that they grow like mycelia, the branching hyphae part of the fungi, as well as live in water and soil and are saprophytes, meaning they digest organic matter extracellularly. All of these characteristics are usually attributed to fungi. Let's talk about actinomyces first. Actinomyces israelii is a gram-positive anaerobe with a beaded filamentous appearance. It is part of the normal oral flora and causes actinomycosis, a slowly growing abscess that erodes into the skin to create draining sinus tracts. Actinomycosis occurs in patients with poor dental hygiene or after trauma to the oral or GI mucosa, such as in dental extraction. The pus from an abscess, when viewed under the microscope, has yellow granules called sulfur granules that are actually microcolonies of Actinomyces israelii. Treatment is with penicillin G and drainage of the abscess. Now, Nocardia. Nocardia asteroides is not part of the oral flora, but rather lives in the soil. It has the scent of wet dirt. When inhaled, it causes pneumonia with lung abscesses and cavitations, much like tuberculosis. In fact, because the bacteria are acid-fast, which is a feature unique to Nocardia and Mycobacterium, Nocardia infection is often misdiagnosed as tuberculosis. See figure 522 to see the gram state of both species. Dissemination into the bloodstream can lead to abscesses elsewhere, notably in the brain. Immunocompromised and transplant patients are at particular risk. In healthy patients, nocardia can cause cutaneous pustules after minotrauma in the outdoors. Treatment is with TMP-SMX. Now let's talk about pleomorphic bacteria. This includes Chlamydia, Rickettsia, Bartonella, Coxiella, and Ehrlichia species. Pleomorphic in this context refers to these bacteria's ability to alter their size and shape in response to their environment. Chlamydia, 
species are obligate intracellular parasites. They can only survive briefly outside of a host cell, and they infect mucous membranes such as the eyes, genitourinary tract, and lungs. They are extremely small, a little bit bigger than a large virus, and they exist in two forms. In the form of an elementary body, they are metabolically inert and are very small, but are infectious. Once inside a host cell, they grow, inhibit destruction by lysosomes, and divide to form the second form, which is a reticulate body, which can make its own proteins but requires ATP from the host cell. See figure 523 to see this process. Chlamydia trachomatis can cause several human diseases depending on the serotypes. Serotypes A to C cause trachoma, a chronic conjunctivitis in children spread by contact that is the leading cause of preventable blindness worldwide. It is seen mostly in developing nations. Treat with azithromycin. Serotypes D to K cause several diseases, which we'll discuss next. The first disease is called inclusion conjunctivitis. Newborns can pick up chlamydia trachomatis from the birth canal, causing yellow mucopurulent discharge and swelling of the eyelids 5 to 14 days after birth. Gonococcal conjunctivitis presents sooner, in 2 to 5 days. In the United States, all newborns receive prophylactic erythromycin eye drops, but if disease develops, treat with oral erythromycin solution. Adults can also get this, treat with doxycycline or a macrolide. Diagnosis is made by observing inclusion bodies, which are groups of elementary bodies, in cells scraped from the eyelids. The second disease that serotypes D to K can cause is pneumonia, which infants can acquire from the birth canal. It presents 4 to 11 weeks after birth. Treat with oral erythromycin. The third disease is urethritis, which can be contracted sexually. Urethritis caused by chlamydia trachomatis often occurs in tandem with Neisseria gonorrhea urethritis, and the two together cause most cases of urethritis. The third most common cause is ureoplasma ureolyticum. Symptoms, if present, for urethritis caused by chlamydia include dysuria and white discharge. Empiric treatment should cover all three organisms mentioned, usually ceftriaxone and a single dose of erythromycin. And in the meantime, PCR on a urine sample will determine which organisms are present. Next, let's talk about cervicitis. Cervicitis can result from infection by either chlamydia trachomatis or Neisseria gonorrhea. The cervix appears red and swollen with yellow purulent discharge. The bacteria can travel up to infect the uterus, fallopian tubes, and ovaries, causing pelvic inflammatory disease, which presents with lower abdominal pain cervical discharge and bleeding, fever, nausea, vomiting, and dyspareunia, which means pain with sex. On exam, there is cervical motion tenderness, classically called the chandelier sign because the patient supposedly jumps to the ceiling when the cervix is moved. Pelvic inflammatory disease can damage the fallopian tubes leading to infertility in the future, as well as an increased risk for ectopic pregnancy and chronic pelvic pain, even after only a single episode. Chlamydia is particularly harmful because it can cause asymptomatic PID, hence it is often left untreated for too long. Treat with a shot of ceftriaxone to cover for gonorrhea and two weeks of doxycycline or a single dose of azithromycin to cover for chlamydia. Next, let's discuss epididymitis. 
Epididymitis caused by chlamydia trachomatis can develop in men with urethritis and causes unilateral scrotal swelling, tenderness, pain, and fever. That's it for the diseases caused by serotypes D to K of chlamydia trachomatis. Complications of infection with chlamydia trachomatis include reactive arthritis, previously known as Reiter syndrome, which presents with the triad of an inflammatory arthritis, urethritis, and conjunctivitis or uveitis, which can be caused by other infections as well. Another complication of chlamydia infection is called Fitzhugh-Curtis syndrome, which is an infection of the capsule surrounding the liver, and it was previously mentioned in the section on Neisseria. Finally, Serotypes L1, L2, and L3 cause lymphogranuloma venerum, or LGV, an STI characterized by a painless genital ulcer that disappears, followed by slow bilateral enlargement of the inguinal lymph nodes. These nodes become suppurative and can ulcerate. Treat LGV with doxycycline. Next, let's talk about Chlamydophila sitaki which is carried by birds and can cause an atypical pneumonia called psittacosis in those exposed, who are usually bird breeders, vets, and pet shop workers. It occurs one to three weeks after exposure. Be careful because it looks a lot like histoplasma pneumonia, which is caused by bird or bat droppings. Treatment of chlamydophila sitaki is with doxycycline. Chlamydophila pneumoniae, which is the TWAR strain, can also cause atypical pneumonia, but is spread from human to human, rather than contracted from animals, and it classically occurs in neonates with a staccato cough. Treat walking pneumonia with a macrolide or doxycycline. Next, let's talk about rickettsia. Rickettsia species, like chlamydia, are extremely small and rely on host ATP. Thus, they are intracellular parasites. Unlike chlamydia, they require an arthropod vector and prefer endothelial cells in blood vessels, whereas chlamydia prefers columnar epithelium of mucous membranes. Because most rickettsia species have similar surface antigens to proteus, coincidentally, diagnosis of rickettsial infection can be performed by the Weill-Felix reaction, in which patient serum is mixed with beads coated with proteus antigens and observed for crystal formation, although this test is not terribly accurate. Antibody titers are more reliable and help differentiate subspecies. Treatment of all rickettsial infections is with doxycycline, even in children younger than 8 years old, which we don't normally do, but doxycycline is so superior to other alternatives in this case. Next, rickettsia rickettsii. Rickettsia rickettsii causes Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Despite the name, this disease is most common in the southeast United States. A week after being bitten by a dog tick, Dermacenter virabilis, or wood tick, Dermacenter andersoni, patients present with fever, conjunctival redness, severe headache, myalgias, and an ascending rash that becomes petechial. It starts at the palms and wrists and soles and ankles, then moves to the trunk. See figure 524. The organism proliferates in the endothelium of blood vessels, causing hemorrhage and thrombi which explains the rash and conjunctival redness. Recognition and empiric therapy is important because if untreated, Rocky Mountain spotted fever can progress to disseminated intravascular coagulation and death. Next, rickettsia acari, which causes rickettsial pox. After a bite from a mite that usually lives on house mice, patients develop a red vesicular skin lesion that becomes a black escher. 
A few days later, the organism disseminates and causes fever, headache, and multiple vesicular lesions that look like chickenpox. The vesicles do not occur on the palms and soles. It's self-limited, but it does respond to doxycycline. Rickettsia prowazekii causes epidemic typhus. Epidemic refers to the sudden spread of an infection, whereas endemic refers to a disease that exists constantly in a population. Another rickettsial species, Rickettsia typhi, causes endemic typhus. The diseases are similar, and infection with one gives immunity to the other. Rickettsia prowazekii is carried by lice or fleas, and the vector in the United States is flying squirrels. Generally, the infection occurs in areas of poverty and overcrowding. After a bite, the patient has a sudden onset of fever and headache, followed by a two-week incubation period, during which small pink macules appear on the trunk and then spread outward to the rest of the body, but spare the palms, soles, and face, unlike Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. Endothelial damage is responsible for the rash and can cause fatal thrombosis, but usually the disease self-resolves if untreated. All patients, when possible, should be treated to avoid number one, having them become reservoirs, and number two, developing a reactivated but milder form of the disease, known as Brill-Zinser disease, which is caused by a latent infection. Next, let's move on to Rickettsia typhi, which as we mentioned causes endemic typhus. The reservoir is rodents, it is transmitted by the rat flea, and it causes a milder but still serious disease than Rickettsia prowazekii. Rickettsia tsutsugamushi is carried by the larvae of mites living in the soil, mostly in Asia and the South Pacific. Two weeks after a bite, the patient experiences fever, headache, a scab at the bite, and sometimes a widespread rash. Rickettsia parkeri causes fever, headaches, eschers, and regional lymphadenopathy, and it was discovered in 2002 in the southeastern coastal United States. Rickettsia africae causes African tick bite fever, which has become a common cause of unexplained fever in travelers returning from Africa. Now let's discuss Rickettsia-like infections. The first is Bartonella quintana, which causes trench fever, so named because it affected World War I soldiers in the trenches. It is carried by the body louse, causing high fevers, headache, and back and leg pain. An erythematous rash develops on the trunk and abdomen. Soldiers would appear to recover and then relapse every five days, hence the species name Quintana. Like epidemic typhus, this infection is prominent in unsanitary, overcrowded conditions, such as war and homelessness. It is not classified as rickettsia because it is not an obligate intracellular parasite. The similarities are only clinical. Next, let's discuss Bartonella henselae which causes cat scratch disease, in which fever and malaise develop, with swollen lymph nodes after a cat scratch or bite. Treat cat scratch disease with azithromycin, although it will resolve even without treatment. Both Bartonella species can also cause bacteremia, endocarditis, and an AIDS-related condition known as bacillary angiomatosis, in which small blood vessels proliferate and look like red raised lesions on the skin and visceral organs. This can easily be confused with Kaposi sarcoma. Next, let's move on to Coxiella. Coxiella burnetti causes Q fever, usually in slaughterhouse workers and those exposed to an infected animal's products of conception. 
The bacteria are unique from other rickettsial diseases in that they form endospores, conferring several unique properties. The ability to survive, though not replicate, outside a host cell, the ability to resist heat and drying, and the ability to transmit by aerosolized tick or cow feces instead of by an arthropod vector. Because of this mode of infection, Coxiella burnetti causes a mild atypical pneumonia along with fever and sweats two to three weeks after infection, the only rickettsial infection to cause pneumonia, without rash. Coxiella burnetti can also cause granulomatous hepatitis and culture-negative endocarditis. Diagnosis is made with serology or PCR. Though most cases are self-limited, doxycycline can be given. Ehrlichia chaffensis is transmitted by the lone star tick, Amblyoma americanum, and causes ehrlichiosis, which is similar to Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Look for a patient with pancytopenia and tick exposure. There is no rash with Ehrlichia because these bacteria infect white blood cells and not endothelial cells. Ehrlichia ewingi can also cause ehrlichiosis, and anaplasma phagocytophilum causes anaplasmosis. Blood smear will show morulae, which is a berry-like inclusion, in monocytes, in ehrlichiosis, or granulocytes, in anaplasmosis. Diagnosis is confirmed by PCR, and doxycycline is the drug of choice. That's it for pleomorphic bacteria. Now let's discuss gram-negative spirals, Treponina pallidum, Borrelia burgdorferi, and Leptospiria interrogans. Spirochetes are very small, spiral-shaped bacteria that spin to achieve propulsion. Because they are so small, special techniques are used to view them, such as dark field microscopy. The first one we'll talk about is Treponema. Treponema pallidum causes syphilis. It is usually sexually transmitted, though contact with an infected ulcer, for example by a doctor not wearing gloves, can cause spread. Untreated, syphilis progresses through three stages. See figure 525. In primary syphilis, a painless chancre, which looks like a painless ulcer with a punched-out base, develops three to six weeks after initial contact at the site of infection, along with regional lymphadenopathy. This resolves over four to six weeks, but this doesn't mean that it's cured. Within a few more weeks, patients go into secondary syphilis, in which hematogenous spread of the bacteria leads to a global red macular rash that includes the palms, soles, and oral mucosa. Also, condylomalata develop, which are wart-like lesions in moist areas like the groin and which are extremely contagious. Virtually any organ system can be involved at this stage, so many different presentations are possible. The disease then enters the latent stage, in which the symptoms of secondary syphilis may wax and wane. Patients who don't progress to tertiary syphilis for four years are considered non-infectious, except for pregnant women who can still transmit to the fetus. One-third of patients progress to tertiary syphilis, which takes three forms. The first is gummatous syphilis, which happens three to ten years after primary infection and consists of gummas, which are local granulomatous lesions that necrose and fibrose, on the skin, which is painless, and on the bones, which is painful. The next form is cardiovascular syphilis, which occurs more than ten years after primary infection and results from inflammation of the small vessels supplying the aorta, which are called the vasovasorum. It causes the tissue to weaken and eventually forms an aortic aneurysm in the ascending aorta or aortic arch. This can lead to aortic valve insufficiency. 
Although gummas are reversible with antimicrobials, these vascular changes are not. The third form of tertiary syphilis is neurosyphilis, which can present in a few different ways. Asymptomatically, but with spirochete-positive CSF, as subacute meningitis with fever, stiff neck, and headache with CSF showing high lymphocytes, high protein, low glucose, and positive syphilis test, it can also present as meningovascular syphilis, which presents as damage to the small blood vessels of the brain and spinal cord, leading to multi-infarct dementia and a constellation of symptoms, can also present as tabes dorsalis, which is damage to the posterior column and dorsal root ganglia, causing ataxia and loss of reflexes, pain sensation, and temperature sensation. And finally, it can present as general paresis, which is deterioration of brain cells leading to mental status changes and psychiatric problems. In both tabes dorsalis and general paresis, the Argyle-Robertson pupil may be present, caused by a midbrain lesion that leads to a pupil that constricts during accommodation, which is normal, but not to light, which is abnormal. This is sometimes referred to as the, quote, prostitute's pupil, because the pupil accommodates but does not react. Because treponema pallidum can cross the placenta, the fetuses of infected mothers acquire syphilis in utero. This confers a high risk for spontaneous abortion, stillbirth, or neonatal death. Those that survive will manifest with either early or late congenital syphilis. Early congenital syphilis presents within the first two years of life and looks like severe adult secondary syphilis and presents with rash, condylomalata, or bone infection. Late congenital syphilis looks more like tertiary syphilis, except without cardiovascular involvement. Periosteal inflammation leads to characteristic changes in the cartilage of the nasal septum, called saddle nose, as well as changes in the tibia, called saber shins, and teeth, which is called Hutchinson teeth and mulberry molars. Corneal inflammation is also common. Congenital syphilis develops after the fourth month of gestation and can be prevented if the mother is treated in the first trimester. Diagnosis of syphilis can be made by visualizing helical organisms moving in a corkscrew fashion under dark field microscopy from active lesions, which include chancre, condylomalata, and macules. But when no active lesions are present, we rely on serologic tests. Nonspecific treponemal tests rely on the presence of antibodies against cardiolipin and lectin, which are lipids released into the bloodstream during infection with treponema. The two tests used to detect these antibodies are the VDRL, Venereal Disease Research Laboratory, and RPR, Rapid Plasma Reagent Tests. False positive results can occur, so these tests are used for screening. The confirmatory test, which is called the FTA-ABS test, looks for treponema-specific antibodies and must then be performed. Syphilis is treated with penicillin, including for pregnant women. Those with allergies to penicillin can be treated with erythromycin and doxycycline, not including pregnant women because doxycycline is harmful to the fetus. Pregnant women with penicillin allergies must be desensitized to penicillin and treated. Rarely, patients may experience flu-like fevers, chills, myalgias, and headaches after treatment as a result of release of a pyrogenic toxin by the killed bacteria. This is called the Jarish-Herxheimer reaction. There are three important subspecies of Treponema pallidum that, although similar to Treponema pallidum, are regional and are not sexually transmitted. They do manifest in three stages as well a skin ulcer, then widespread disease, and then a tertiary stage, 
but the tertiary stage does not involve the cardiovascular or nervous systems. The Treponema pallidum subspecies endemicum causes endemic syphilis, most commonly in Africa and the Middle East. It produces oral lesions similar to condyloma lata, after sharing cups or utensils with someone with open ulcers, causing wart-like papules that can be disfiguring. Later, skin and bone gummas develop. The Treponema pallidum subspecies caradium causes pinta, a disease of rural Latin America spread by direct contact that starts with a slowly expanding papule followed by an eruption of red lesions that turn blue in the sun and then white over time. There is no bone involvement in pinta. The Treponema pallidum subspecies pertinu causes yaws, a tropical infection of the skin, bone, and joints. These non-venereal syphilis can be treated with penicillin or azithromycin. That's it for Treponema pallidum. Now let's talk about Borrelia. These are larger spirochetes that can be viewed under light microscopy with GEMSA or right stains. Borrelia burgdorferi causes Lyme disease. It is carried by rodents and white-tailed deer in the United States, Northeast, Midwest, and Northwest, and is transmitted by the Ixodes tick. Infection requires about 24 hours of attachment to the host, so regular tick checks can prevent disease, especially after time spent in wooded areas. Like syphilis, Lyme disease has three stages. The first is the early localized stage, which begins about 10 days after the bite, and consists of regional lymphadenopathy, flu-like symptoms, and a characteristic red, annular, expanding rash at the site of infection that leaves blue or necrotic tissue in its wake. This is called erythema chronicum migrans, or ECM, see figure 526, and it represents the bacteria multiplying and spreading outward. Weeks after the bite, in the early disseminated stage, which is the second stage, the disseminated spirochetes multiply, and the immune response causes inflammatory changes in the skin, which is ECM-like but with multiple smaller lesions, in the nervous system, which appears as meningitis, cranial nerve palsies, and peripheral neuropathies, in the heart, which presents as AV node block and myocarditis, and finally in the joints, which presents as migratory arthritis. In the third stage, or the late stage, chronic arthritis and encephalopathy can develop in 10% of untreated patients. Skin atrophy can occur, which is called acrodermatitis chronicum atrophicans. Diagnosis of Borrelia burgdorferi can be made by culturing Borrelia from the leading edge of the ECM rash. If this isn't present, serum titers for anti-Borrelia antibodies by enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay, or ELISA, or Western blot are effective. Culturing the blood, or CSF, can be difficult. However, erythema migrans is pathognomonic for the disease, so in a patient with tick exposure and this rash, you can treat without checking serology. Treat with doxycycline or amoxicillin, stage 1, or ceftriaxone for the later stages. Several Borrelia species cause relapsing fever, including Borrelia recurrentis. They are transmitted from human to human by the body louse, or ornithodorous tick. After infection, the bacteria disseminate and cause high fever, headache, muscle aches, and possible rash and meningeal signs. Symptoms resolve over three to six days, then recur about every eight days, but become progressively less severe. 
The relapses are due to the bacteria's ability to change the surface protein VMP after each antibody response. Diagnosis is by blood smears or by culture during a fever, because cultures can be negative in between fevers. As with syphilis, treatment with doxycycline or penicillin during a febrile episode can cause a Jerish-Herxheimer reaction. Next, let's discuss leptospira. Leptospira interrogans causes leptospirosis. The organism is shed in animal urine and infects humans through contaminated water or soil. Look for a recent history of swimming in open water or regional flooding. The first phase of the illness occurs when bacteria invade the blood and CSF, causing flu-like symptoms along with red conjunctiva, see figure 527, as well as photophobia. Myalgias may also be present, usually in the calves. A short afebrile period is followed by a second phase during which symptoms recur as a result of the host immune response. In the mild form, aseptic meningitis occurs. The more severe version, called wheel disease, involves renal failure, hepatitis with jaundice, mental status changes, and hemorrhages in many organs. Given its rapid progression, make the diagnosis based on history, examination, and initial lab test results, which are elevated LFTs and protein in the urine. Confirmation of the diagnosis is made by culturing blood or CSF during febrile phases. But treatment with penicillin or doxycycline should begin immediately and before cultures come back. Doxycycline can also be used as prophylaxis, such as during a flood. That's it for gram-negative spirals and also for part three of this chapter. Thanks for listening. With that, we wrap up today's episode of the Crush Step 1 podcast. A big thank you to Elsevier Incorporated, the publishing company behind Crush Step 1, as well as all of my other books, for allowing us to put out this book in podcast format. Thank you for joining us, and please check out our other chapters.